This is out of bounds. This is out of bounds. Streamyard didn't want to let us have a show for a hot second, but we're we're here. We're here. That's Mia. I'm John. It's your spot for the weird, wacky, and wild on Mondays in the sports world on Know Your News. This is Out of Bounds. Mia, what's going on? I can't complain, John. All I know is is that the office is finally coming together. Uh, set up the guest room. Took the Christmas decorations down this weekend. It was a recharging weekend. I, I did not expect because I did not think, of course, the Jaguars would collapse. But it was very much appreciated as we get into the full swing of what's ahead in 2024. Yes. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're able to recharge a little bit. That's always good. I know it was unexpected. I mean, the old Jaguars playoff tickets on sale tweet didn't age too well, but there's a lot of things we were going through in our multimedia department meeting this morning. Like there's a lot of things from last year to this year that I was like, Hmm, that from our recap last year didn't age too well, but like not just Jags, like unfortunately RIP Mike Leach. Um, Goodbye, James Robinson. Goodbye, Ben Barch. Um, a couple other like people who left us too soon that made appearances in this video that I was just like, oh, my bad. That didn't age too well. Yeah. Hey, that's life. It is what it is. Hey, speaking of that, let's get it out of the way up front here, guys. Uh, some sad news. This is the last episode of Out of Bounds. Uh, know Your News is pivoting in a little bit of a different direction. Uh, but we wanted to bring you one more episode because me and I have been doing this show for uh, almost a year and a half now. And we really, really enjoyed doing it. Uh, it's been so much fun, hasn't it, Mia? Yes, to the point that we, we promise it's not because of John and I. Uh, we promise they didn't cancel the oh. two of us. It's no. just the nature of the network's kind of shifting a little bit. But don't worry, you can still find John and I social oh, channels yeah. that you see on the bottom of your screen. Um, and I'm sure we'll be up to some hijinks soon enough together once again. Because I even just said it to to my boyfriend. I was like, you know what? I enjoy having my little catch up with John in the world of, of sports and us getting off our hot takes together. And especially now that I built this beautiful new home studio, we need to put it to some use, John. That's Albert. right. Absolutely. Uh, because everything's made up and the points don't matter today. If you got any comment, whether it's a super chat or not, leave it on there. We'll try to get it on air. We want to hear what you guys have to say. I'd love to have our out of bounds faithful here, sports and things saying, here we go. Yes, here we go. Indeed, we'd love to have your interaction here. We're very appreciative of everyone who took time every Monday night or whenever you watch this uh, to hang out with us on Out of Bounds. It's and we did have some people that listened on demand, like people I didn't oh, expect. Yeah. Oh, like shout out, shout out to my boy David Wolf with Rockets PR. Whenever we would talk anything basketball, he was like, oh, Mia's and John are talking basketball. They're both pretty reputable sources. Let's pop it on in on the drive to work. And I was like, there dang, people do there listen. So we appreciate you guys, whether you're listening live or on demand. I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that. Thanks for all that support, guys. We're going to have so much fun here uh, on this. And yes, thank you, my friend, for tuning in to us here on Out of Bounds. Uh, So that means we got to give a a toast to Out of Bounds, right? That's how we got to do this here on our final what do you got? That looks like a claw. Is that a claw? Because uh, we're still working on the uh, the Bachelorette, um, collab- what are they called? The Bachelorette line from November. Nice. I still have like a whole pack of white claws sitting in my fridge. I, um, I will miss these Mondays, um, hopefully to Sports and Things Point. Somehow we find another way um, back to your airwaves together because I appreciated the fact that I was able to make a dent in this white claw collection. Thanks for that amount. <laughs> so uh, this has been a lot of fun, Mia. You and I have known each other for long time now long time and and to get a chance to actually finally work together was super super fun and i'm glad we got to do it one last asmr there it is and i i second what boomies in savannah georgia says about this podcast 
effing love it. There you go. Cheers to that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Little maple bourbon to get us going here. Because, Mia, you hate to see it. Oh, you hate to see it, John. <laughs> what would we be on Out of Bounds without getting a chance to take a dig at the Dallas Cowboys on the way out? How about them boys? Jordan Love's Packers marched into Jerry World. They dropped 48 points on the Cowboys in the NFC Wild Card round, marching on to the divisional round with a 48-32 W. It's another season of disappointment for the Cowboys, who at the beginning of the season looked like Super Bowl favorites. Is it time to accept, Mia, that much like the New York Jets, as we've discussed on this podcast, or the New York Mets, that they're just a doomed franchise, or is there more to this? I don't know if it's so much doomed because they have more championships in our lifetime to speak of, even if we were both infants the last time the Dallas Cowboys hosted the Lombardi Trophy. So I wouldn't call it a jinx or a curse akin to the New York Jets or the New York Mets for that matter. I would just say it's honestly one of the best bits going in sports right now. They ascended to the title of America's team. And since the mid-90s, when they earned that moniker under Jerry Jones' ownership and quote-unquote leadership, what have they done, John? I have a stat for you um, because this stat, this show wouldn't be complete without more Jaguars references. The Jacksonville Jaguars, who came into existence in 1995, the last time the Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl, have more playoff wins since 1995 than the Dallas Cowboys. Think about that. Just think about that. A team that came into existence 29 years ago has more playoff wins than the Dallas Cowboys. Like, it's that simple. And I don't think it's a curse. Because a curse is when you have double doink, like the Chicago Bears. Mm -hmm. A curse is the butt fumble. This is just a series of unfortunate events again and again and again. Like, yes, the final score, sure, looks a little bit closer than what it was because they were just kind of riding out the string or the Green Bay Packers. This was a 41-16 game at the yeah. end of the uh, third there, quarter. No, it was garbage time points. It was an sure. utter beatdown. You can mm-hmm. say what you want that the Cowboys overlooked the Packers, but the truth of the matter is, and I know we had this conversation on my day job much more extensively on XL Primetime, but like I came away from this not saying the Cowboys blew it. I came away from it saying we need to give Matt LaFleur his flowers. Oh, because 100%. I mean, Matt he, LaFleur is – And the entire Shanahan tree, by the way, because outside of McVay, which that one came down to the final minute, I still think there was a holding call on Puka Nakua. Um, The McVay coaching tree between Bobby Slowick and Matt LaFleur and what I'm sure will be Kyle Shanahan this divisional round upcoming weekend, they put on a freaking clinic so far. Absolutely. I mean, listen, LaFleur is one of the better coaches in all the NFL. He's had some bad luck along the way, but, and, you know, there's been questionable decision making at times, but he's still one of the better coaches out there. And you got to give all the love to Jordan Love, right? Like you have to. He played his ass off. He was slinging it. His arm looked great. He made good decisions. He was efficient. Uh, this, it, we were talking about this on SNY last night. The development of Jordan Love, this is like exactly what you plan for when you sit yep. a quarterback for a couple of years and you allow for them to spread their wings after a couple of years under the learning tree. The fruits of your labor paid off, and they did it with Aaron Rodgers with Brett Favre. It's something that is doable and conceivable still in the NFL. And Jordan Love, the way he's played the second half of the season into the postseason, it, it certainly is showing that other teams have a, a 
plan that they can follow, right? There's you a can plan. sit someone on the bench for X amount of years. Yeah, sure. And it will come to fruition. Because here's the thing, John. If you put on the tape and you watch Jordan Love, what was it, like the first game of 2021 or 2020, Rodgers couldn't play. I forget which one it was. Um, if you go pull up, pull up the tape from the preseason, he looks completely different two, three years ago than he did last night. And you want to know why? He looks more like Aaron Rodgers. If you look stylistically at how he throws, how he navigates the pocket, he obviously had the arm talent coming in, but now he throws like Aaron Rodgers. And part of that is obviously he sat behind him, but I think a bigger part of it is also just being in that LaFleur offense and taking the time to say, you know what, he was a ball of clay when we drafted him in 2020, and now look what we've done with him. Is I want to give a shout-out to Sheldon for the Super Chat. Thank you so much for that. He says, here's a stat. Packers have more playoff wins in AT&T Stadium than the Cowboys. Two to the Cowboys one, which is incredible. so wild, considering how good the Cowboys generally are at home uh, during the regular season. They're a very good regular season team, but they have just emerged as this perpetual franchise that comes up short all the time. And it begs the question, Mia, what is the root of it? Right, like Dak Prescott talks a big game this year. I'm only, I'm not even going to have ten interceptions this year. Uh, you know, I mean, and they they played well for a lot of the season. Now you could argue they didn't play great against good teams. Uh, you know, there were a couple good wins, but aside- you could argue their 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 wins down the stretch. Two of them were were to the Commanders. One was over the Panthers. One was over the Giants. Like mm-hmm. two, I mean, I think two actually were the Giants. But like you could argue. Their strength of schedule wasn't anything to cry home about. Perhaps their best win in the second half of the season after their bye was the Seattle Seahawks by a touchdown. Absolutely. So there's something to throw at that. But By the way, Dak didn't throw 10 interceptions until the postseason. Right. But what I look at when all of a sudden, and we're going to piggyback off this into the next topic momentarily, but what has been the one consistent Throughout all of these shortcomings of the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones. So you Jerry want Jones. Jerry to sell the team? Well, I'm not saying he needs to sell the team. But what I am saying is maybe it's time to start bringing in some other football minds. Because not only is Jerry Jones the owner, he's also the GM. And- Here's the thing, though. In terms of roster makeup, there's an argument to be made. They had seven Pro Bowlers compar- oh, compared to Green Bay. certainly Zero. is. But it goes they beyond roster. Games for a second straight goes, year. But it goes beyond roster makeup. It goes into decision making in general. And you know, are are you having not just the best personnel, but is the best strategy in place? And that all stems from the top. That all comes from the top down. So I think that the only way things change in Dallas is if things change at the top. And I'm not even saying he needs to seize total power. But like, you know how a lot of baseball teams have a president of baseball ops? Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a president of football ops that they can bring well, isn't in. that already what that one guy who interviewed for, was going to interview for GM jobs? Isn't that what he basically is? Like their head of scouting? I think that's well, basically what he is. And then Jerry's son is also like kind of the de facto GM. Okay. That's his son. It's, yeah. still, it's still my point. No, hold on. I'm going to pull it up. Hold on. Cowboys front office. I'll tell I'm you the guy's name. I'm just saying that. I wouldn't think it would be the worst thing in the world to refresh things at the top. Just a little yeah. bit. To your, Will McClay. Thank you to Kevin. Thank you to Kevin. Will McClay is the one that 
as their vice president of player personnel. And he kind of acts as that third party, if you may, within the front office. Okay. It is and, funny, who's John, making, and who's making the final call? Jerry. But that's what's so funny when you pull, wait, pull up the Dallas Cowboys website, folks, if you're on your computers for a good laugh. Um, if you go through their executives, aka their front office, you have Jerry. Under executives, you have Stephen Jones, Charlotte Jones, and Jerry Jones Jr. Then you have football ops, which is more like the logistics and administrative and stuff. And then player personnel is where you finally get to someone without the last name Jones. There you go. What does that tell you? That's my point, Mia. Right, and maybe there's like, I agree with you. Maybe there there is a need to shake that part of the operation up. But at the end of the day, that front office they put together a roster that was good enough to win 12 games. Is it the coaching staff, John? Let's uh, segue here. Is it the coaching staff that is to blame? And the fact that, which is the bigger issue, I think, and that's where I think, you know, Mike McCarthy and the conversation of do you fire him, do you not, comes into play. Jerry Jones, for the better part of the past 29 years, has employed head coaches that he felt he could manipulate. And if he couldn't, he got rid of them. And so that brings us to, will Mike McCarthy be fired at some point in the next week or so? Will Bill Belichick, will Jim Harbaugh replace him as head coach of the Dallas Cowboys? Isn't it funny how all season long it was like, ah, you know, if there's a move made like Dan Quinn's the the coach in waiting. But also everyone kept talking about Mike McCarthy's on thin ice. And here we are. Well, Right, and and the only reason, like, there's been no outward indication per se that Mike McCarthy is going to get fired, but just because we expect it, because it's the Cowboys and Jerry Jones and coming up short of expectations, we're just like, yeah. And listen, I'm never one that's just like trigger happy and like let's let's make changes for the sake of making changes. But it's undeniable that right now this is a very enticing head coaching market out there for anyone to make a move. Like, you can't tell me here that when Bill Belichick became available last week, something didn't go off in Jerry Jones' head. Because who better to corral a mess than Bill Belichick? And the one thing about Bill Belichick, too, it's not a long commitment. You'd probably be bringing him in for two, three years max. Hard to imagine he'd go much longer than that. It's a win-now move. Harbaugh, I don't see as much, Mia, even though it would be hilarious. I don't see as much because I think it would require him to give up a lot of football power in Jerry Jones. And because I think Jim Harbaugh, should he come to the NFL this season, which I do believe he's going to. I do too. I think he's going to be one of the more powerful head coaches in terms of autonomy in the league. Can I throw another name at you? Of course. What if we're all thinking... Jerry's got to go make a splash. Jerry's got to go get one of those two marquee names. But let's go back to what I said off the top, which is where the next name I'm about to say really doesn't fit. But what if Jerry Are says... Are you going to say Aaron Rodgers is going to be the head coach? No, that would have been fantastic, though. And I would have said Jim Irsay, too, since we're going to be running through our favorite characters on the Out of Bounds series. What if Mike Vrabel is actually the best coach. It could be an option. The Dallas Cowboys. Here's the difference. Here's the only the only caveat, because I think he is the best candidate. No offense to Bill Belichick, no offense to Jim Harbaugh. I think for what that team needs, he is the best candidate for them. Here's the problem. Mike Vrabel doesn't take crap from anybody. And if you go down, and this is with all due respect to my good friend Dave Campo, 
If you go down the list of Dallas Cowboys head coaches, from Jason Garrett to McCarthy, with the exception of Bill Parcells, Jerry Jones picks individuals who he believes that he can still have autonomy over. I'm not so sure he would have that over Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, but especially Mike Vrabel. Because that's the whole reason Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans didn't work out. He wanted roster control. He wanted more power than they were previously letting on. And he felt like he was the that's best football That's why I'm the making the point that Jerry Jones might have to look in the mirror here and swallow his pride a little bit. So what do you think he's going to do? I mean, I think if they fire, and it's a big if. It's not a guarantee they fire Mike McCarthy. But if they fire Mike McCarthy. I hope it I happens during this program because that very would just well be could. the epic setup. Very well could. I think he makes an all-out blitz at bringing in Bill Belichick, like all-out. They're a defensive stack team. That's Bill Belichick's mantra. You bring him in, say, Bill, here's two to three years. You got Dak Prescott. You got CeeDee Lamb. We'll give you whatever you need. Let's Figure go. it out. Let's make it happen. Uh, if it makes I, you feel good, uh, my friends at Bet Online say that Bill Belichick currently minus 200 if Mike McCarthy is fired to be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Are you ready for the next best odds? For the next best coach? Yes. Like, so, so, the, so Bill Belichick, if Mike McCarthy is fired, Bill okay. Belichick, best odds to be the Cowboys' next head coach, according to Bet Online AG. Mike Vrabel, three to one. Okay. Bobby Slowick, seven to one. Dan Quinn and Jim Harbaugh, eight to one. No. Ben Johnson, nine to one. Wait for it. Two more for you. Kellen Moore at 12 to one and Pete Carroll at 14 to one. And where's Urban Meyer on that? Uh, hold on. I'll find him. <laughs> he is, he's unfortunately not on the board, but Jerry Jones, you can get at a thousand to one odds. Jimmy Johnson is a hundred to one. If you mm. are having interest. He in gave that. a big fiery halftime speech. He tried. Sure. He tried to fire him up. Yeah, I'll tell you, I think Belichick to the Cowboys is a possibility. I really do. I, I think it's totally That plausible. sounds better than to the Falcons, by the way. Like that, I think I get the Falcons are a better fit for him, especially if really? they don't get a quarterback. I do, because I think the autonomy would be there for him with, with Atlanta. And I think we all agree, Atlanta has talent. They just need to find don't the, have a quarterback. They, they need a quarterback. They need someone who's better at roster utilization, which Bill Belichick's very good at. And I think he would fit well within the context of that division. That division's weak. He could go out there and win that. Right. But like culture, not, not culturally. Cause that sounds bad, but like, like has a negative connotation, but like, do you just see Bill Belichick? It would be Falcons? weird. It'd be weird. I, I guess know. we thought Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers was weird, but at least like he was like Florida man, you know, right. like embracing that. I just, I don't know. I mean, Arthur make- Blank's a great owner. I mean, you know, outside of, you know, the actual football operation the last few years. I mean, there'd, like, be, uh, there'd be great. He's great in the community. And, like the Mercedes Benz stadium is in my opinion, a top three NFL stadium. There, and I've been there'd to be great irony in the man who levied 28 to three on the Atlanta community coming in and coaching their football team, that would be but a pretty good storyline, but it would be a good storyline. Of course, more coaches on the move this week. Mia. It was Thanks. wild. Wild, John. I mean, it's a real week for coaching departures. Belichick, Nick Saban retires from Bama. Like out of nowhere, this, I mean, people were lining up at the Nick Saban statue and bringing flowers as if he passed away. He didn't, he retired. Paul Feinbaum literally came on his program acting as if Nick Saban had passed away. He's moving to a $32 million mansion in Florida. He's going to be all right. But are we really like taking in the gravity of just how significant all these gigantic coaching departures are? Like think about it, Mia. 
Belichick leaving the Patriots, like we all saw it coming, but that is an institution. So and, Saban. And Saban was college football for 15 years. I, I actually feel like for me, first of all, professionally, it was the best thing that could have happened because in light of the Jaguars' demise last week, we had a whole lot to talk about on sports radio here locally. It was fantastic. Um, but with that said, I think it it did give me the opportunity to kind of contextualize the reality that Bill Belichick was with the Patriots for 24 years. Nick Saban was in the running at a Power 5 school for a national title since 1999. So that's 24 years. Pete Carroll, yes, has only been with the Seahawks for 14 years, but as we know, he was at USC well before that, which is closing in on 24 years. I am 31 years old. You're soon to be 31 years old. It is insane to think that those three men have been at the center of football in the college and professional ranks for three-fourths of our lifetime. That is mind-boggling to think that they will not be in the same place. It's hard to fathom because, you know, and I'm sure for older fans and some of our listeners who are, you know, that lived through the iterations of Bill Belichick with the Browns or, you know, before Nick Saban emerged when he was in the National Football League, even when he was with the Dolphins, that's like a blip. I remember people initially when he left the NFL to go back to college were like, oh, my God, that's going to tarnish his legacy. No, it hasn't. He's the greatest college football coach of all time. No one else can argue it. (laughs) Right. And Pete Carroll also was run out of college and everyone was like, "Eh, not so sure. Guess what? He went and won a Super Bowl and was in another Super Bowl, appeared in another one. So like, it's insane to wrap your head around. And what was so wild about it was like the Pete Carroll news last uh, Wednesday, right? It was Wednesday or Tuesday, whatever day it was. Yeah, Tuesday. That dropped during our program. And like I said to people, I was like, I hope you're watching on YouTube because like my jaw hit the floor and I was like, oh my God, we got to go to this. We got to go to this. And then I was out shopping during the, we're not shopping. I should, I was picking up my, my friend's five-year-old's birthday gift. Um, and I, I get the text from, from my friend, Matt, and he's like, Saban's retiring. And I like thought he was punking me, you know? So by the time the Belichick news hit, it was just like, honestly, that was probably of the three, the least surprising because we had a feeling it was at least imminent. Yeah, it was. And it is the end of an era. And it, and it it's a really interesting reflection on player power, too. Because, I mean, Scott makes the cheeky comment here. But, yeah. I mean, there is, there's a point to it. Like, he says Nick wasn't happy the players were making more money than him. No, but he told like, Reese Davis he doesn't care about that. No, and, I mean, words are words. But my, my point is, you know. He we, says he we, wants to be the czar of college football. So, what, I don't. What I'm saying is we are now moving on to an era where player power is going to be stronger than ever in both college and the NFL. And you're going to see a lot of the old dogs being pushed away from that. And I'm really interested to see who steps to the plate as the heads of the table per se in the coaching realms. Like the Harbaugh's both have staying power now. Like they are, they are now top tier in that realm. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the average age of the NFL head coach, and for that matter, the college football head coach, has gone down significantly just in the past couple of years. We truly are seeing a changing of the guard. Uh, for your money, Mia, who is the best coach that you've seen in your lifetime? Like, who do you think is the most impactful coach at either the college or pro level that you've seen it like fan. live or just like not just like that you have followed at throughout the years. Like I mean, those are probably those three. Names. Like those are Belichick. That's Saban. It's probably those three. Yeah, 
Like, honestly, when you think of the great teams of our 31 years on this planet, you think of Alabama, you think of the Patriots, you could think of those USC teams, because I know for me that was really my first foray Mm -hmm. into sports, watching Reggie Bush, watching Matt Leiner, being heartbroken when Vince Young ran for that touchdown. And so that's what's so weird is like, I would say those three guys, I mean, as far as others, you could say coach K you you could say Roy Williams, you could say Joe Torrey for us on a more, on a more local level. But here's the thing. When you, when you talk dynasties, these three were architects of, I mean, dynasties are rare in sports as much as we love to throw that word out there. Like, who else would you put up as a dynasty in the last 24 years? Maybe like the Warriors, well, the I was Heat, say Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson. Yep, I would agree with Phil Jackson. Yeah, um, the Spurs, like, the Spurs with Pop. Pop. Imagine if Pop had retired last week. Oh my God, Mina Kimes tweeted it. She was like, he has the opportunity to do the funniest thing yeah. ever. Um, so like, like, who else is there? Like, you know, like you can only no, count on two hands, absolutely. like the dynasties of the last twenty five years, and. These three arguably were architects behind, if you want to include the Seahawks, I really wouldn't. So you could say three of them, you know? But also Nick Saban won a national title with LSU too. And like I wouldn't put, and as much as I think he's a great time, um, I would not put Coach Ed Ogeron in that conversation. When you think of like greatest teams of all time. We're not putting Ed Orgeron in that. Yeah, we're not putting Ed Orgeron. I love love him Not a chance. Right, not not putting him up there. And And so that's where, if you think of these greatest teams of all time with these greatest coaches of the last 25 years, these three were behind most of them, and now they're gone. Certainly were. Let's stay on the gridiron, Mia. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. How great is this picture, first and foremost, John Alba? It's, like, I where mean, does this dad... rank in the pantheon of sports photos? Well, it's even better because his dad played Major League Baseball. Listen, we couldn't get through our final show on the Know Your News Network without that. The weather has wreaked havoc on the NFL this weekend. Super wild card weekend. It truly is super. We have a game going on right now at 626 Eastern on a Monday afternoon. The Bills and Steelers, I believe the Bills continue to run away with it. I haven't looked at the score. Um, But they were up 21-0 as we began our program. They had to play today as opposed to yesterday because of whiteout conditions in the Buffalo, New York area. The Chiefs and Dolphins played in a game that was so cold that Helm started cracking is it time john to build roofs over every stadium should every team be playing in a bubble i mean it's hard to make the argument against that at this juncture right like what are we doing at the very least not having retractable roofs on every stadium i understand the cost is there tradition who cares play the game i care more about that i care more about the game getting played on time that that's more important i think the players would agree with that as well they'd be much more interested and there's an argument that like it's 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 a fairer fight if the weather is taken out of it however just like referees and officials are you know human error is part of the game couldn't you say the weather is part of the game of course it is of course it is but at the same time this isn't Walter Camp's football, you know. This is this is 2024. We have conveniences everywhere. There's no reason that we should have stadiums that have universal Wi-Fi but not a roof. I don't understand that. You can order your $34 hot dog soda fries combo from your seat, but you can't keep it dry. In Buffalo, they literally had to shovel out their own seats today. Yep, yeah, people were trudging through the snow trying to get to their seat. I mean, 
and they don't even have seats. They have bleachers. They're not even seats. I mean, that's why they're building a new stadium there. But guess what? Which are, you know, they don't have a roof. I was going to say, their new stadium doesn't have a roof. And I, I don't understand it. I just don't understand. And that stadium, don't even get me going. That stadium is like a three-quarters publicly funded taxpayer stadium, which is a whole nother. But it's the city of neighborly love or whatever. So that's why they don't mind paying. And that's why it's they the don't state mind that's paying for it. Them. People who are living in lower Manhattan are going to be paying for that stadium. Tell me how that's fair. My point is, I don't know. In Jacksonville, we don't have that rule. We can't have the state pay for it. So. The, well, they, the, the city of Jacksonville very much, well, I shouldn't say the city of Jacksonville. I should say, the powers that be not to be named within the Jacksonville Jaguars organization are asking for public funding. In that right. No, but I mean, it's going to be paid by the county. Okay. Which is, which no is Duval than, County, which is which the city. Is no better than making. Right. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is like, you don't have like, Miami's not going to pay for the state. I understand here. that. It's so a crazy now. system up there and also in Nashville because Tennessee has the county and the state paying for the new stadium for the Titans, which will have a roof, by the way, because it did snow there today. Yeah, and it's smart because guess what? They're going to be able to have year-round events there mm-hmm. because they're going to have a roof. It's what all these stadiums should have. You know, I mean, think about it, Mia. They talked about moving the Buffalo game to Atlanta. You know why they talked about moving it to Atlanta? Because Atlanta was smart enough to put a roof on their stadium. Couldn't they just go to Detroit? I mean, that's not that's not too far. They could have done that too. And you know what the crazy thing about Detroit is? They got a roof on their stadium. So what stadium for you? Like what what screams to you? Like why are we still doing this? Uh, the most? Like run me through the list. Obviously, oh. Kansas City and Buffalo are up there. What do you mean? What What, what are the, the other markets that you're like? How and like Foxborough? Every how market. The hell- Every market. They should have a retractable roof. You want to play open air? That's fine. Make it retractable. Like it's this doesn't it, this is such an insane concept to me. I think all sports should be played with the option of having a roof. I really do. It, we in Are we in nineteen eighty four. Sure, fine. Okay, we're in twenty twenty four. It's at this point we are beyond. Is, your, is this your Florida talking, John Albus? Is no, it has it's, it's it has nothing to do with even being comfortable. I don't care if it's like a cold weather game. That's fine. I was going to ask you, that was my next question. What would you prefer to play in the snow that the Bills are playing in or the negative 30 degrees of Kansas City? I mean, probably the snow, but still, like, my, my, my point stands here that we shouldn't have to let weather determine at this juncture if we're playing games. Now, if there's a travel ban in effect, like how it was in Buffalo, that's one thing, but Still, like, we should not be having to say, well, we have to play the game at this time of the day because it's going to rain during this time. Baseball is antiquated, too. Rain delays should be a thing of the past. They shouldn't exist anymore. You wouldn't have to worry about suspending games in the sixth inning if you had a roof. But isn't it human element? No! It's dumb. It's old. It's antiquated. Give me my sports! I, don't you want to I want daddy I want it now think about all these fans that made the trips and then they're like ah I can't can't go to the game now because it got ran there's no bigger disappointment Mia than being excited to go to a baseball game and you get there and the first pitch is about to be thrown and by the bottom of the first inning the tarps on the field hell that happened at the Daytona 500 that we it had it's happened at Daytona absolutely I was there that was 2020 we were there it's, it's happened it's there's 
there's just no reason that this should even be happening. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. Thank you to Michael in the chats and thank you to Scott for the score update from Buffalo. The Bills currently leading 21 to 7, although I think they may have just scored again. Um, the Steelers, of course, only got into this game by virtue of the Jaguars' defeat at the hands of the Tennessee Titans. And uh, here we are in a world in which Buffalo is going to run away with this one. They will host Kansas City, presumably, next weekend. And uh, yeah, hopefully the games will be a bit more competitive, John, because to Michael's point, that's the crazy part about this super wildcard weekend. Last night's Lions-Rams game, and maybe it's because of the roof, was the most competitive game we've seen so far. Well, one game that was looking like a shootout at the half and then mm. ended up not being was the Texans and the Browns. C.J. Stroud, sensational against Cleveland. Texans cruised to the divisional round with a 45-14 win over Joe Flacco's Cleveland Browns. I, to see where the Texans were a year ago, Mia, versus where they are now, is this one of the greatest turnarounds ever? It is. And I think that, you know, listen, I've been very critical of the situation there because of my proximity to it. Um, look, CJ Stroud's legit. You can't say he isn't. I think their play caller, Bobby Slowick, is very legit. I have been high on D'Amico Ryans from the moment they hired him. From the moment he started interviewing, I've been high and bullish on D'Amico Ryans. I'm glad to see it all come together. But what we are such prisoners of the moment and we forget, John, is that Nick Casario, if he didn't hit on the quarterback, if he didn't hit on this draft class, he would have gone through three head coaches in three years and was probably treading water in Houston with, with the McNair family. And so we're giving them their flowers and rightfully so, but like, like I had people trying to tell me today how, you know, like Nico Collins and Jonathan Grenard are these great players. I'm like, ask me a year ago what you thought of them. Nico Collins was potentially a bust. I get he's super fast and yeah, no one could throw him the ball, but, and Jonathan Grenard was like an underperforming edge rusher. They got the right guy in CJ Stroud and they got the right guy in Will Anderson and that unlocked those other players but you can't tell me like, oh, Nick Casario has done such a wonderful job. He has one draft class that has changed the trajectory of that franchise, and he got the right head coach and the right offensive coordinator. To that, I give him his flowers. But to suggest that this is like a three-year build to this point, I'm not so sure I'd go that far. I think we have to pour one out for Lovey Smith because a year ago, we're on this show. Everyone's crapping on them for – screwing up in the last week of the season, costing themselves the number one overall pick. And, you know, I think Lovey actually did Houston a favor. It worked out. Where do you think Lovey is right now? Hopefully having a beverage, utilizing his buyout money. How old is Lovey? That's another question. Lovey is... Let's look it up. I think he's like 65. Hell yeah. Retire, Lovey. Go live the good life, brother. Exactly. Exactly. Fear the beard. I, I see no reason why Lovey shouldn't be enjoying it. This this is an amazing story. This is one of the greatest turnarounds in NFL history. And I don't think it's recency bias to suggest that. I mean, CJ Stroud's legit. He's a gamer. He's he's going to be a fixture of the league for many years to come. I, I truly do believe that. Aside from a couple bad games and injuries earlier this year, he was legitimately in the MVP conversation. For good reason. Um, they play hard. They play a fun style of football. And they took a franchise with a very jaded fan base for good reason to be jaded and is giving them immediate hope. Now, you do wonder, much like last year's Giants, does it climax too quickly? And does the rest of the league figure it out? And that could happen next year. 
But for now, you have to take it for what it is and say, yeah, ride this as, as far as you can. Trust me, from personal experience, ride the wave. You can't guarantee the next year that everything is going to fall into the, the, the way that you want it to. Um, real quick, I, I do want to note because I think this Browns defense, and I said it last week and I'll say it again, I thought they posed, posed the greatest threat to C.J. Stroud because of how much man Jim Schwartz plays. Right, and, and just because of how elite that defense is. Yes, with Joe Flacco on the offensive side of the ball. Um, we'll get to him in a second. Because for me, John, yes, C.J. Stroud lit up the scoreboard. This offense was great. But you can't tell me that back-to-back pick sixes from our Jersey boy, Joe Flacco, doesn't change the trajectory of that game. I understand the Texans were already already in front in a comfortable lead. But back-to-back pick sixes. Oh, I mean, of course. There's no taking that away. It certainly does. I think it also reflects poorly on the Browns where – I, and I didn't think this at the time either. I don't think Joe Flacco should have sat the last game of the season. I think hmm. he needed those reps. Joe Flacco has still only been back in the league a month. It's not like he needed the rest. He, I think getting that fluidity would have been important. And he came into this game. He just looked slow, especially in the second half. He just His response time wasn't there. I, I thought that was a really bad mistake for the Browns to not play him in the final week of the season. But I do want to give the flowers to the Texans. I think this is such a fantastic story. And and it goes to show you in the league, it gives hope to all the teams out there. If you've just been in a rut, it can turn around quickly. But you have to have smart players. You have to have smart personnel. You have to have smart coaches. Kind of as simple as that. Speaking of smart executive decision makers, maybe not on this one. Dun, dun, dun. Things are a little awkward in the Bronx, John Alba. The Yankees gave free agent pitcher Marcus Stroman a two-year deal that came on the heels of him expressing interest in pitching for them while team sources declined interest. They may have something to do over numerous social media posts bashing the Yankees and GM Brian Cashman from several years ago, which have mysteriously since been scrubbed. Is this a disaster waiting to happen? <laughs> this story is so crazy. Like Marcus Stroman crapped all over the Yankees upper brass just a few years ago. And he grew up a Yankee fan, but he. Yeah, because he grew up like a mile from the stadium, yeah, he, right? He, he, he grew up close, uh, had a hard time staying healthy for a bit of his Mets tenure. Throws hard. He's got good stuff. He could be an important part of the Yankees rotation this year. And they got him pretty cheap, all things considered, with a third year based entirely on reaching an innings incentive. But can you imagine how awkward that is? Like, oh, hey, here's Brian Cash on the phone with your agent. Um, Hey, you know, we'd offer him more money, but he might blow up our clubhouse. But, you know, we think he's worth the risk anyway. You think that's what the conversation is? What else could it be? I mean, I, I assume Brian Cashman just isn't on Twitter, quite honestly, and no, he had this, no this idea. This was more than just Twitter. I mean, this was a talking point. He was talking shit about this team publicly. This is not like yeah, but then you kind of like squash it as like, well, it was his childhood team. He's a fan at heart. Like I, I don't know. That's how I feel. Like Cashman probably squashed it in his he had a hard rationalized time with his teammates. He had a hard time with his Cubs teammates. He's a fiery guy, and I'm not going to get on him for being fiery. Sometimes, look, I think the Yankees could use a fiery guy in that clubhouse. I'm, I'm not looking down in on the words him, but... of Doug Peterson. If your culture and your locker room are stable, 
those that may be a bit volatile will follow the leaders and get in line. And I think well, that's what Brian Cashman is banking on. Maybe. And listen, these players like playing for Aaron Boone. That's why he's still there. So maybe that helps. But think of it this way. Marcus Stroman badmouthed the Yankees and their fans. Alex Verdugo, the Yankees now starting left fielder, badmouthed the Yankees and their fans. Carlos Rodon, the Yankees' number two pitcher in this rotation, badmouthed the fans. What kind of culture are you building? Garrett Cole, once a Yankee, always a Yankee, forever a Yankee. So everything will be trumped. I don't know, man. Like, yes, okay, you could talk about that for the franchise, but what good faith do these fans have? I think as long as they deliver. I mean, if they don't play well, yeah, they're going to hear it from you. Those boo birds are going to be mad. Boo birds will be very loud. But if those three guys play well, no one is going to care about a social media post. No one. Winning cures all. One post. I want to make it clear. It wasn't. No, I know that. I'm just saying winning cures all. If they play well, no one's going to care. And if they don't, the boo birds will come. And I think those guys are professional athletes and they understand that. Let's hope so. We got one more story here before a very special final segment. This is a super fun one here. So that's former NHL forward Terry Ryan. He celebrated his 47th birthday with a fist-flying return to pro hockey, dropping the gloves and fighting Sunday for the Newfoundland Growlers in the ECHL. He's playing professionally for the first time in about 20 years. He traded punches with the Adirondack Thunder's Zach Walker, a 25-year-old former BC player who got the upper hand at the end after Ryan lost his balance. This is how it all went down. He was at a bar, he said, and quote, I was probably five or six pints in, and I still skate four or five times a week, and I play a lot of ball hockey. I just figured if I had the cardio, at least a fraction of it, that I wouldn't embarrass. This is one of the best off-the-couch stories in sports history. This is amazing to me. I also love that the Jacksonville Icemen play the Growlers. They are very much a real team, and so are the Adirondack Thunder, because well, I remember when they hit... I mean, Right, it's a very it's real team. Like, this is not just, like, some, like, pickup league. Like, this is very much, like, the equivalent to Double A for those of you that are not familiar with the NHL structure. Um, so, no, it's a fantastic story. I said to you before we came on the air, what's wild to me is the story about the equipment manager uh, was with the Predators, right? Pete Rogers, yeah. mm-hmm. that then gets thrown onto the ice. Like, I just love how this keeps happening in hockey. Like, hockey is arguably the hardest team sport in all of sports to play in that sort of perfect harmony. And we're out here just throwing guys and like, yeah, you'll just figure it out. Like, you'll figure out how the line plays and you'll get the rhythm down. Like, I could understand it in baseball, um, with all due respect to baseball. Like, if you needed someone to pinch hit, who hadn't played baseball in years, which like it may be very difficult for them to, you know, swing at a 98 mile. Per I, don't hour know, I totally disagree with that. Oh, like, really? Think, okay. Cause I that's the one that like, that's the one that I'm like, in terms of like rhythm, like if you were in rhythm and you could hit a fastball, like you'd be okay. That's a very hard thing to do. But like when it comes to hockey or football, if you're running routes or uh, basketball to know the plays and like have that sort of cardio, like these team sports is what's so wild to me. I don't think his role was to make a significant team impact there. I think his role was to be a body out yeah. on the ice more than anything else. I mean, he gets in a fight with a 25 year old, which is just hysterical. And and he did lose, unfortunately, but uh, he said he wasn't expecting to get in a fight. It just kind of happened. Like that's the definition of beer league hockey, right? Like, I think that's just so. He's an enforcer. And... Every team needs one. It's fine. Yeah. 
What a great story this is. Yeah, we saw it this year with Justin Pugh coming up for the Giants, mm-hmm. literally. Straight off, off the, the couch, couch, baby. Joe Flacco did it coming off the couch. I, more of these stories. I'm, I'm into this. Let these athletes have that unexpected final shot at glory and an opportunity to show the world that they were elite for a reason. I think it's elite, great. Like Joe Flacco. I think it's great. I'm, I'm all about it. Shout out to him. Happy birthday to him. 47 years young. It's good stuff. All right, Mia, to wrap things up here, we normally do the beasts of the week, but because this is the last episode of Out of Bounds on the Know Your News Network, we'd like to do the beast of the bounds, the beast out of bounds. Beast of the year. Beast we of didn't the do a beast of the year at the year end of December. I don't know, whatever it is. So over the course of Out of Bounds, who was the most beastly figure? So I thought on the show. I thought long and hard about this, John, because we've had many characters on this program from Jim Ursay to Jameis Winston to Danny Dimes. Every time he was brought up on this program, he just kept on kept keeping Aaron on Boone. Al, Aaron Boone, Aaron Judge, Alexander Emmanuel Rodriguez. Um, but for me, yes, I'm going to be a homer, but I do so with a certain context when we began this program in earnest in October of 2022, I knew who Caitlin Clark was. Maybe a few of you out there did, but what she has done in the year and a half since we came on these airwaves on know your news cannot be denied has arguably become the most influential female collegiate athlete of our time. And for me, I take a lot of pride in that because obviously I knew her back when, um, but also I think that it, it speaks to, what's to come hopefully on, you know, both in collegiate sports as a whole with NIL, but also the rise of women's college basketball. Will it sustain after she leaves Iowa? I'm not so sure. Will it elevate the WNBA? I'm also not so sure about that, but one way or another, we had her several times, both you and I have selected her independently as our beast of the week. And so when I look back at the last 18, 19 months of sports and the weird and wacky and, and crazy, um, for me, I think the athlete of the last 18 months is Caitlin Clark. Yeah, I don't – I mean, it's hard to argue that. I got to go with our perpetual beast, Aaron Rodgers. Ah, <laughs> well done. He's another yeah. one in the last 18 months, I, I would argue. Listen, yeah. listen. Aaron Rodgers loves to be in the headlines. It's his favorite thing in the world. To be in that, he'll he'll pretend he doesn't. But it's his favorite thing in the world. He has dominated our conversation, especially the past six months. But even beyond that, too, when the trade happened, and then when he was unhappy in the first place in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers has always wanted to be the main character. Well, congratulations, you were the main character of Out of Bounds, and you gave us plenty of content. Uh, for as much as I may despise that. Undoubtedly, in my opinion, Aaron Rodgers is the beast of the bounds on out of bounds over the course of the past year and a half. There's no yeah, question. Would, there's no question because I think when you think of the last 18 months in sports, Aaron Rodgers has been a headline whether he's been on the field or not. I love that pick. <sighs> Boy, howdy. Okay. Did you this see the meme? Fun. It has. Did you see the meme or the gif? I should say of you know how Will Rogers is leaving Washington, most likely to follow Caitlin DeBoer, and someone because of course he flew up to Washington, did a little bit of bowl practice, 
was it was on the sidelines of the national title game. They gave him a jersey. And so somebody posted Aaron Rodgers running onto the field at MetLife at the opener, and they go, Will Rodgers' Washington career. Look, if Aaron Rodgers rides into the sunset without ever achieving much success with the New York Jets, I got one thing to say. You hate to see it, don't you? This has been Out of Bounds. We've had so much fun with you guys. We really appreciate you all. Make sure you follow me at Mia O'Brien TV. I'm at John Albert. Thank you to Jimmy at uh, Know Your News. Thank you to Rob, who's been our producer throughout the course of this run, and everyone else on the team. We're super appreciative. Mia, anything else you want to say? We'll be back in some form or fashion, so follow us. Trust me. That's right. That's right. She's Mia. I'm John. This has been Out of Bounds. Roses are red, violets are blue. I click the subscribe button, you really should too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.